We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. We have officially seen football. The Packers played at Lambeau Field this this past night. As Matt Fralick was there, he's joining me to recap the game. My name is Mike Lemon. And, Matt, it seemed like it was a pretty good experience. I mean, the game wasn't the greatest, but just being in the stands for Packers football had to have been a blast. Oh, it was absolutely awesome. Like, when I found out, first of all, it's going to be a long story, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, I was able to go because of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Northeast Wisconsin. We, I'm a big, I've been with the program for, like, about two years now. Um, And they were actually approached by the Packers last year. And they just kind of basically were like, we want to be more involved. And our the organization was like, absolutely, we'd love to be more involved with the Packers. So it was a long time coming for this game. It was supposed to happen last year, and they ended up having a thousand tickets for us to to do. And I don't think they had enough people for it, but it was an awesome experience to be there. We had a cool tailgate set up beforehand. We did that. I got to walk around the stadium with my little brother Cameron, and like being at the game and just being there with him is his first game and like being back in Lambo with like fans it was that was pretty freaking cool like that was that was a cool experience um i was able to be a part of the uh, roll out the barrel they selected us like all a couple of us bigs to do that so that was pretty crazy i do not polka so i just kind of did a little toe tap um other than that no it was it was a hell of a game to just be there but you know i definitely was trying to keep a you know a pretty pretty keen eye for the first three quarters um by the fourth quarter i kind of lost some interest and there was some stuff even then that was just like this is this this, this game just seems to get over with because it was getting sloppy you know helmets were flying off there's a couple pass interference plays that maybe should have been more egregious calls than that but yeah there was some stuff that that's good some stuff that's bad so i'm excited to, to chat about uh the first preseason game absolutely and of course i i was just watching it at home but i did take some notes that i could think of so let's just hop right into it and we got to talk about the big one right away. Let's talk about Jordan Love, uh, his Packers debut. First time officially wearing that jersey in a game. Obviously inactive every game last year. And most of the drives were kind of stumbling. A lot of that, I think, was offensive line play and a couple drops. He had, but he had some really good throws. Uh, one great throw to Jay Sternberger up the seam. He showed his arm strength on a play where Devin Funch just made a spectacular catch. And then to cap it off with a screen pass to Kylan Hill, who we'll talk about as well. 
to, to take it in for the lone touchdown of the game for Green Bay. But I thought he, he affiliated himself pretty well. I thought he was sound. He was going through progressions pretty well. And I, I'm, I think for a guy who's essentially a rookie, playing his first game in two years and three years for uh, someone who's not coached by Gary Anderson, I think that it was a good building block for Jordan Love. As long as he's healthy, he did get uh, dinged up on the strip sack at the end of the first half, and he said it was a little bit, felt like a slight strain of his throwing shoulder, but he thinks he'll be good to go. So we'll keep an eye on that, but I thought it was a pretty good debut for Jordan Love. It was it was halfway decent. Um, I talked about earlier this week, like, and I think it, it doesn't bode well for me because it's it's not very often as a Packer fan that's 30 years old seeing you know a quarterback come in and struggle. It doesn't really happen that often. So you have to kind of reflect on like, oh, that that did happen with Aaron Rodgers early on, and you know it took him until that Cowboys game where he came in and 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 balled out way back when. So I, I guess for me, like with Jordan Love, like based off the statistics, he it, it was a good game for him. There there was a couple miscues that maybe weren't his fault, a couple that were his fault, um, but I'm still looking for him. I, I, the thing with me right now, honestly, point blank, Mike, is just like kind of the decision making and the progression, and I know that'll come. Like his, Sometimes his progressions just aren't as quick as they need to. Like you're seeing, I, I was seeing uh, specifically, was it Davis Mills is the second stringer quarterback? He was running basically, I mean, similar ideas where they're just the play action roll hitting that flat check down. And it's just like Jordan Loves takes like an extra like second to like decide if he's going to throw that. And by then, like the defenders already pursued it on Jay Sternberger or, you know, the running back out of the backfield. It's just like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not getting done as quick as it needs to be. And I think that'll come. So that's fine. But there was that also that miscue was on that fourth down or third down where they play action rollout and they went the wrong way. The whole team went one way. He went the other way. So I don't know who was wrong there, but like things like that, like that's, you don't see that on a stat sheet. And like, that's, those are types of things like that can't happen. Like you can't have 10 guys on the right page and you're on the wrong page. It just, that, that looked very disgusting. Um, outside of that, I thought on that strip sack too, like it looked like he had an opportunity to step up in the pocket. And as soon as I could see uh, Nijman kind of, his guy got past him, I was like, step up, step up. And he like really, once he got to that five step drop, never stepped up. And I think maybe that could have been avoided, but you know, that outside pressure wasn't great. Um, overall, it, it was a decent first start for Jordan. I'm still, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't leave with a you know a great taste of my mouth. I'll be honest. I know it's his first game. He's probably played was it 18 months. I get that, but I, I just wasn't overly impressed. And a lot of that I think to do with the offensive line and the running game. The running game really never got going all that much until later on with Dexter Williams, and that was a big part of it. And they were really, really, really bad just on the offensive line. And that's what happens when you have 30 guys not playing in a preseason game. Yeah, I'm with you with that. I, I, I thought with love of, and some of the progressions, I'm sure you, you had a better view since you were actually there. But I, I see what you're saying with the beat of, of the progressions and just a little extra time. And Lafleur said at times he's got to just let it rip. And I, I do agree with that. I think that he does need to, as we did see on, on a couple of those slants with Malik Taylor and Funches, where he just hit his drop and let let it go and let it fly. But I do think on the ship sack, Lafleur's flat out set at halftime. When they asked me, it was that's not on him. That's on the that's on the tackle, because it looked like he was trying to step up. He was mid release when also he got hit too, and and me and and Yosh Nijman got turnstile. And we're going to talk a little about him later because I think uh, the experiment with him is nearing its conclusion. But all in all, yeah, decent start. There was there was some ups, there were some downs. It's it's a building block, and now with the Jets coming to town, we'll see what he can do uh, as long as he is good to go next week going forward. 
So let's jump into the receivers a little bit too, because we talked about uh, we said a little bit about Funches. Sternberger had that great play up the seam, beating the coverage. I thought Malik Taylor had a really nice game, and I think and and I put on Twitter a couple of times. I think he's getting slept on for that end of the rush spot. He was the first team gunner tonight. He was he made four or five catches. He was a good safety blanket. And outside of Funches, he was probably the second best receiver out there. And and he's a guy who came out of nowhere to make the roster last year. And if he can continue to, to be a top guy in special teams, it's gonna be tough to keep to keep him off this fifty three. I totally yeah, like you're right. And I was surprised when I was going through the thirty guys that are off that Winfrey was the guy that was off. So that made me kind of think like, oh shit, like do they really think Winfrey's you know in that top five guys, top six guys? He's hurt. Shit, that, was, that didn't play well then. So, but like Malik Taylor, five for fifty, got caught all of his targets on five targets, like. He had a good game. Like I was, I was impressed with him too. Like I, I there was just, I don't know. I, I, I'm just trying to reflect on the game to be honest. And there, there was stuff that was really, really good and stuff, guys. that were really competing, and Malik Taylor was definitely one of those, along with Funches, who, who balled out. For sure. And then defensively, I thought guys who stood out, especially in that first half. Uh, T, uh, TJ Slayton had a couple good run stops. Oren Burke was, and and I'm going to put Vernon Scott in there as well. They were both just missiles. Yep. Oren Burke had this. the best game of any player on the on the field. I think for either team, he was absolutely spectacular. Vernon Scott again, looking to try and stake his claim as that number three safety. I thought he had a really really solid game. And I guess the just for the most part, the Packers defense was bent but don't break and take preseason with yeah. a game with a grain of salt. But I thought those two guys were difference makers in, in, on defense and if they can step up and show they can be more than just special teams guys that's going to be all the better for Joe Barry and his, and his squad 100% like Oren Burks was I, I think you're right like he probably was the best player on either side of the field like he was a missile he was reading the gaps really really well like just a different type of Oren Burks very decisive when he was getting to the line which I was I was impressed by Vernon Scott I also have on my list here that was another guy who was flying around and had a lot of playing time tonight too had a lot of opportunities along with uh, Henry Black he was out there a bunch but Vernon Scott was definitely a guy in the secondary doing it and that Ben don't break like that that does play that that works uh, let's see if it transfers over into you know with their starters out there and 11 guys that are actually on a team like that are capable of that so Slayton looked good. Um, I felt like he it took a while for him to get going, but eventually I felt like he was he was making some good plays up the middle. But those yeah, those are the guys I've I I what did I have? I uh, Burke, Slayton, Devin Funches, Kylan Hill, Vernon Scott. Those are the five that I really was just very impressed by. And there's a couple guys here and there that you've mentioned, but overall I it, it was nice to see these guys that are kind of on the border right now really really competing for that. And that's what you're really looking for in preseason games for me. Is like you already know all these guys are going to make the team that sat out. Uh, or at least most of them. But at the end of the day, like, what are these tweener guys? What can they contribute? And I think, like you said, Burks might be a guy that could fit really, really well in Joe Bear's defense. For sure. And I guess a couple other guys to talk about as well. Uh, I thought, I don't think you got on the stat sheet, but I, thought, I, liked, uh, I liked what I saw from Spider Garvin. Uh, he mm-hmm. was able to bend pretty well. Man, especially with all the stuff that came out about veterans saying, bring back Clay Matthews. Please stop. But I, I, I liked what I saw from Garvin. Uh, Heflin was also pretty good in the trenches, mm-hmm. uh, the, mm-hmm. the rookie from Iowa. And then KB Anento just continues to make plays. Yeah, he had the big pick. He did get knocked silly on a play where he got called for pass interference, but he did come back later. But when, you, but if you ever watch the game back and you see him when he's being helped off the field, he did not look like he was there. He, he I'm surprised they let him back in. But that, that pick was a really nice a read and a good play for him to come off his guy and jump the route 
as we're directly in front of him. That was just a really, really heady play for a guy who's only been a corner for a couple of years. And with the struggles of Josh Jackson, who we'll talk about with Yoshinijman in a little bit, Ento is really starting to put a little bit of distance on getting a final corner spot. Ento's a dude, man. He's just such a raw talent. And to see him actually perform in a game was... It was awesome, and like it's, I think Twitter has said it the best too. Like he just, if he makes the roster, which it looks like he was, he's got to get rid of the forty-eight. The forty-eight's confusing as hell to me. I'm, I, I just, it just throws me off every time I see him. That, but that that pick was solid. He he really did have a good game, and I, I should have wrote him down. But that was a guy that uh, he was very impressive throughout the entire game. Anytime he was around a ball. Uh, closing very very well. Good ball skills clear with that pick, and yeah, Enzo's a guy that's absolutely making a name for himself in that in that lower tier of the the DB depth chart. Sure, and I guess some other stuff that I kind of typed up. I, we talked about Love. He looked confident, looked fearless, but again had issues. Kylan Hill is RB three. We can mm-hmm. write that mm-hmm. in. However, Patrick Taylor and Dex did play better in the second half, and they're not going to give it up. And if there's a RB4, that could be a fun battle to keep on. Because I thought they both ran really hard, despite having absolutely nothing in front of them blocking. Yeah, no, I they did have a good game. Like, Dexter Williams Patrick Taylor did. They, they had Patrick Taylor returning was it kicks at 1.2, so they're trying him out there. I, I don't know, take that for what it is. But I think Kylan Hill's for sure the number three. And that that's, I mean, say what you will, but that, that screenplay, I mean, based off of, you know, normally you want to run a screen when teams are really – getting some good penetration on the, the D offensive line, and they were the whole time. The D line was blowing it up, and to call that screen was a really good play. I did not expect that to go for a touchdown. And just the way he ran to the edge and set up the blocks and the effort to get in the end zone, securing the ball, not letting it go out of the back of the end zone, like that play alone, I was like, Kylan Hill is just different, man. Like he is, he is built different. And I talked about this on um, Game on Wisconsin's final dump episode for, that came out on Friday. Was the, the Packers have guys across all position groups that are super, super versatile. We were talking about the tight end group and how they do certain things, and they're really, really good at those two or three things. But like collectively, they're like this Megatron of a of a tight end room. And you can kind of say the same thing for the running backs now. Like you have Aaron Jones who can do everything. You have AJ Dillon who's that bruiser who's trying to get the passing game, but not really all that much. But, like, Kylan Hill's, like, the the great value version of Aaron Jones. And, like, he's he's solid. He's he's not super, super polished. He's super raw talented. But I think those three are really, really good together. Dexter Williams, Patrick Taylor, I think they're outside looking in. But Kylan Hill, that was that was a hell of a play by him, too. Um, I, I, it's, it's tough to, like, I want to stay as positive I can about the game because it is only preseason, but, like, only one game in. you got the Jets coming in this week for inter-squad practice, and, like, there's just, there's a lot still to be – I just wanted a lot more coming out of that game. It just didn't – it doesn't sit well with me. I know it's preseason, but the score versus the Texans, who are, a, in my opinion, a bottom three team – doesn't sit well with me, but overall, I think there's you know what you have to improve on going to next week, and I think if you're the Jets coming to Lambeau, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a pretty pissed off coaching staff and players who are getting probably jacked up by them to be like, hey, you got to bring the intensity this week. We got to deliver it. I think it's gonna be a hell of a week of practice in a preseason game versus the Jets. Yeah, and you're talking about intensity. That's gonna be fun with Robert Sala coming in because yeah. if there's anyone who describes intense besides Dan Campbell, it's Robert Sala. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I can I can agree with you with Kylan Hill, and I saw a lot of people put on Twitter like, if you had, if this had been taped from ten years ago, are you sure that's not just Brandon Jackson? <laughs> I saw that too. Like Brandon, ja- like I don't want to say anything bad about Brandon Jackson because he did have some games where he was he helped the Packers 
didn't he help him win a Super Bowl at one point? Like he was on, he was on that Super Bowl team. Like he didn't. So right. So like it's just. These the, the the jersey numbers, especially in the preseason, because you have all these guys, you have double numbers here and there too, so it's it's very confusing. But uh, yeah, Kylan Hill's Kylan Hill's solid, and yeah, Bob Salas, he's gonna he's gonna be that's gonna be some just like bashing skulls this week. I'm 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 ex- I wish I could go to a one of those practices, but it's gonna be a hell of a week here because Bob Salas got a lot to prove with his team too. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to try and go or not. Well, I'm going to have to see how my schedule shapes out. I might try and get to one of them. But moving on to the game itself, mm-hmm. the things that weren't as good, and we kind of yeah. touched on at the offensive line. It, it. I mean, Josh Myers had a couple nice blocks. He was great on that screenplay. Uh, I thought Kelly, except for one play, was pretty solid at right tackle. The guards were Braden and Patrick O'Reilly. Runyon had a little bit of a rough go of it. But the other the other guys just I didn't see much from Newman, so I can't really say too much. But the other guys really mm-hmm. struggled, especially Yosh Nijman, who played basically the entire game at left tackle, and it, it, he looked like a vintage Marshall Newhouse performance. And I and I I like the potential that that Nijman has, but with the depth they have now, I just can't see them keeping another roster spot for him this year if he's going to play like this. And it's fine because, like you said, it's an experiment, right? And they were able to actually get some real snaps with him. And starting at left tackle is a big responsibility for him. And I'd want to say that's probably the most snaps he's ever gotten in a preseason game. And it, you you kind of know what you got from him now. Like it, it, the Texans don't have that great of a defensive line. And overall, I just feel like if he's a he's just like Ento too, kind of like a super raw talent, physically gifted. You want to see if you can make the team and. You rolled the dice on it. It didn't really work too well. I think you kind of get, you know what you have with him. If you really, really think he could still play, that's fine. But, like, it's not left tackle. Like, you can't have him at left tackle at this point. And overall, yeah, offensive line wasn't that great. I kind of expected that to happen. I was like, I was thankful to see Josh Myers in there. But everything else was, you know, Patrick was okay. and But the edges were really, really rough. And that basically changed how the Packers were going to attack. They couldn't really run the ball at all. I think at some, like halfway through the second quarter there, it's still at like minus one rushing yards. I'm like, this is a joke. You, you can say some of that's because of the running backs, but overall, like even when A.J. Dillon was in there, he was getting smacked in the backfield every single run, it seemed like, off either side, left or right. And it's just you can't, you can't really set up anything at that point for an offense to, to get rolling without that run game. And it, 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 it kind of was the, the tone was set early on, and the Packers never reacted up front. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system. Richard, I was surprised that with the second group that John Runyon was the center which was mm-hmm. interesting, and that mm-hmm. does not bode well for Jake Hansen either. But we'll, no. we'll, we'll go forward with that. Uh, now let's talk, let's talk about the offense. Uh, Jay Sternberger had that great play, but, yep. again, he's getting extra snaps because he knows he's going to be out the first two games. Just I, 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 I even typed in, he's not worth giving up on yet. I think you need to, I think he's going to stay on the roster when week three comes because I, I do think he brings a different element, another another Tunyon-type receiver that they could, they could definitely use, especially – with some of these guys who are still kind of raw, whether DeGuar is going to be fully healthy, Daphne will be healthy, Lewis is obviously 37. Like, there, there's some guys that I think Sternberger is worth keeping. Uh, but tight ends always, there wasn't much there. Defensively, the defensive line depth is just not there. Um, I mean, no, Lancaster I did not make any sort of impact playing today. Lowry, who's had a good camp, he didn't suit up. Obviously, Clark didn't suit up. Kiki didn't suit up. Uh, Slayton and Heflin are clearly ahead of the other guys on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. They're ahead mm-hmm. of uh, Prevlian and Delonte Scott and a lot of those other guys, and they were head and shoulders better than them in this game. Uh, Heflin really showed that that effort and that Iowa Hawkeye type type grunt work inside. But really, this this depth is going could be is going to be an issue this year, and it's going to be. Up to Joe Barry and and my coach Montgomery to really get these guys dialed in for New Orleans. And we just keep talking about like we've been talking about defensive line depth for years, right? And like go get a guy, go get a guy, and like they get a guy. It's T.J. Slayton. Like no disrespect to him, I think he's gonna be solid. But overall, like it's I don't know if you can win. I don't know if you win championships with this defensive line. Like you got to be able to to apply pressure. You got to be able to stop the run, and they just don't really have that right now. And the the I. I thought there was going to be a competition there a little bit, and now I'm just looking at some of these guys. I'm like, dude, there's going to be a couple starters that you're just not going to want to have in there, and that's Tyler Lancaster or Dean Lowry at some point. Dean Lowry's okay, but, like, you don't want to be your second-best defensive lineman. Like, he's a good compliment guy, but I don't know, man. Like, Slayton, Slayton, I think, will get some playing time. He's probably going to get a lot more than people expect to because I think there's really not much else there, in my opinion. So... But it's gonna it's gonna be a tough go for Joe Barry, and he's gonna basically inheriting some of the same issues Mike Pettin had with his defense. And it's something to be said as well. I'm not sure if it was injury related or not. But the fact that Kingsley Kiki didn't play in this game, I think yeah. that shows how much they are are expecting out of him. And I think they even talked a lot about what he can bring as a pass rusher with him and Clark as two down linemen and passing downs. So you know, instead of Lowry out there, it will be Clark and Kiki. So that's that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. But yeah, we'll, it's we have four guys who are locked into roster spots. 
with Clark, Kiki, Lowry, and Slayton. We'll see if they how many they keep, whether it's five or six, and who will those guys end up being. But it's it's it could be an issue. Uh, on the edge, not much to talk about. I, I I did like what I saw from Garvin. I thought Rivers for a newer guy looked pretty solid, but again, pass rush outside of Oren Burks was non-existent. Mm-hmm. And I want to say with Rivers too. Uh, was it last week or the week before after he was brought in, he had a pretty good week of practice too. So that's good to see that they're you know they've been trying out a couple guys here and there and bringing them in for workouts and they'll be on the team for a few weeks and whatnot. But he he's he's been producing. I didn't see Garvin at all. Like I did, he didn't pop up the page for me. But I'm, I'm, I think he's for sure going to make the team. And he's again if he's if he's voting well and you're seeing him, that's that's that means that's good. Well, I think for me it was more. Because we, I have obviously the camera angles for the TV broadcast, so we're seeing the sure. line a little bit more. I saw he, he, I thought he thought showed pretty good bend, and for, for a team that's got three really good power rushers, having that extra element of some speed, I think would really help. And I think if he can harness that, he could be a solid rotational guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as linebackers go, yeah, Oren Burks is, is the story. Summers was all right, nothing to write home about. Ray Wilborn, yeah, he he had a good amount of tackles, but a lot of them were kind of downfield, but. Again, we're trying, all these guys are going to make their way on special teams, which was a whole different issue. But uh, the other guy, well, one thing I did like to see when Chris Barnes was in there, he was in the first quarter, maybe the first series or two, he was commanding the uh, defense pretty or- pretty well. He was orchestrating some guys, getting them moved around, kind of making some calls that way. I feel I feel confident in Chris Barnes. I think he's going to be pretty solid too. But yeah, linebackers, nothing too crazy. I think Tyler Ty Summers, like you said, special teams dude might fill in here and there. Oren Birch was definitely the highlight of the whole night, so it was fun to see him. But we got to talk about the secondary. Like, and it, we we said a couple good things, right? We said Vernon Scott, Henry Black, I thought did well. But and when I say secondary, it's basically Josh Jackson. Like that's who I want to basically just throw to the wolves at this point. Yeah, no, yeah, I feel I I feel I feel bad for Josh because I do think. When he came into the league, that the talent was there, but and Tyler uh, Grzegorek, uh, who was with us for a long time, it made made the point on Twitter that you, if you have lower body stiffness, it doesn't matter what your ball skills are. And and I even wrote it during the first, I think, the second drive of the game. Comeback routes are the enemy of Josh Jackson right now. He cannot stop and plant and drive on a comeback route right now, and he got absolutely abused by by every Houston receiver across from him and and he was a huge target and at this point I, I think there's no way he makes the roster at this point. I think you gotta look for a trade for a conditional seventh or whatever and give him not one give him a chance to salvage his career with a change of scenery. But also free up at thirty seven for KB on Intel. <laughs> I mean, dude, Josh Jackson to me is it's it's wild, and I don't like to listen to the local radio, but you know, in traffic on the way home, I'm listening to the recap, and sometimes you just hit it on the head, and they're like, you know, it's crazy talent evaluators. Some people had Josh Jackson as a first round grade. I believe I did at one point. I thought he was a first round talent when they got him in the second round. I was super pumped, but. Dude, I was pulling my hair out in a preseason game the first couple plays where Josh Jackson is giving up slant routes, giving up deep out routes to Chris Conley. Chris got three plays in like three passing plays in a row. Chris Conley is just ten yard out, tiptoe, call it a day, and like it was just Chris freaking Conley. And he, Josh Jackson, I think he had one pass deflection, and it was like on a deep ball he actually got burned. And he was able to somehow recuperate and knock it out of the back of the end zone. But other than that, man, he is just—he's wild. Like he, and I don't know what the hell it is. 
Mike, you're saying it's comeback routes. Well, then I see him 10 yards off the ball and giving up slant routes. And it's like, I don't, he, he just doesn't do it. And kudos to Tyler Gregorio because, like, that's true. Like, you can have all the ball skills in the world, man. But if your hips can't turn and your, your feet can't move, like, you're screwed. And I don't know who's taking that 37 number, but I don't think it's going to be Josh Jackson at this point. There was a couple times, too, where I saw the defense, I think it was after the Ento pick where all ten guys are kind of rallied around him going back to the sideline, and, like, Josh Jackson's, like, the last one there. And that, that wasn't one time. That was multiple plays. I want to say three or four where he was coming off the field and kind of the last one there, whether it was after a series where he played like crap or something else. He, he, I think he just kind of knows it's at this point. I don't know if they'll get any trade value from him. I have no idea, but I just cannot possibly see him making this final roster. And if he impresses in this next week and has a good week three of uh, the preseason, maybe he makes the team. But at this point, I, I just don't see it because there's a lot of other young guys that they're going to want to shake the dice on. I don't think uh, Josh Jackson's it. No, I'm with you on that. And I, I think I think he, he's kind of playing off the string here. I think his confidence is absolutely gone. And the parallel I think of is I think of Quentin Rollins. Like, both guys I was super excited about coming into the league. Both guys showed great ball skills throughout college. They were interception machines at their schools. And they both made good ball plays as rookies. They, Jackson had a pretty solid rookie year. Rollins had a really good rookie year. But Rollins tore his Achilles. He was never the same. And he his, his lower body twitch was gone. Jackson, he missed most of his second year with a lower body injury. I don't know if, what it was, how long-lasting it was, if that's an issue. But the lower body twitch just isn't there right now. He like said he can't open his hips, he can't flip, and he's playing off. And now he can't he can't plant and drive on the ball. It's just it's it is a perfect storm of everything going wrong with him at this point. And it's it's sad to see, but at this point, yeah, you have to like. And I said trade that. I mean, I literally need it to be like a conditional seventh round pick. Where if he makes the team and plays a certain amount of snaps, it would be a seventh round pick. The crazy thing is, too, dude, it's like almost like the Texans knew they were wanting to go up against Josh Jackson the whole time. Like, they were just targeting the crap out of him. Like, it, that was the weird thing. Like, I I don't know. It's it's frustrating. Like, that's between Oren Burks and him are probably the two things I was most passionate about to talk on this podcast. We've already talked about Oren Burks, but Josh Jackson to me is just whatever you get from at this point is fine, but he it's just, it's just freaking brutal. Like, that's it. For sure. I, mean, I guess one of the name to bring up uh... – I didn't see if uh, Uphoff played it all. I didn't see him out there. But in his games, I thought he had another solid game. He's been a dog yes. in their practice. He, he almost had a big pick. He did, he did miss a big tackle. And mm-hmm. tackling as a whole, especially in the second half, was absolutely brutal for the reserve defense. But I thought Gaines had, had, had cooked himself well. Again, another guy from TCU playing with his old teammate, Vernon, uh, Vernon Scott. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's talk about special teams. Because yeah. I thought there was a little good and a lot of not so good. Uh-huh. On one end, I thought J.K. Scott had a good game. Uh, I thought his directional punting was a lot better than we've seen in a while, and he got pretty good hang time. Where I even put, like, J.K. Scott has a clear edge over Ryan Winslow in the punting race because Winslow outkicked his coverage a lot. And that big return, outside of uh, Reggie Bagleton losing his lane as a gunner in that first big return the fir- in the first quarter, that was that was a lot of it on the punter for <laughs> the line drive long kick. And he had he had more net yards. I think it was like plus five in the same amount of punts total, not five per punt. But I thought I thought Scott actually was pretty solid out there. Yeah, he had a good one. I think the first punt he probably could have kept it in bounds a little bit further. He kind of tried to angle it a little bit and maybe lost five to ten yards off that. But yeah, he didn't have a bad one. I I was saying this last week. Like I think people are super super 
like on pins and needles, ready to jump on JK anytime he has a you know just a mistake right now, and that's justifiably so, especially with the guy in camp, and I think the Packers know that with Ryan Winslow. So, but yeah, he he definitely fought off the the Wolves in Week One here. Special teams overall uh, could have been better. Like there's guys you assume that are on this 90 man roster right now that like have to bust their ass to make it on the the final roster, the final cutdowns of the 52, and like. I just guess I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Like it, it didn't look great. There was a couple punts that were just awful. Like I could see out we were in the end zone, so I could see a good vantage point. And I don't know which punt it was, but it was one towards the end of the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. And the whole left side was just wide open. I don't know if that was the play you were alluding to with Reggie Bagleton, but I, it was just awful. And I don't know. It that that was that was one thing I was pretty disappointed in because I was expecting the energy and the effort to be there for the Maurice Drayton led special teams group for the Packers. And it, it didn't seem like it was. And again, like I, like I started this statement from like, there's 90 guys right now. Like the only way to make this roster is to ball out on special teams on for certain dudes. And I didn't really see a lot of effort from any guys. And that's, that's definitely something I would be highlighting this next week because the Packers have lacked at being above average at special teams and damn near historically bad at special teams. So it, with the new blood in there, it should be absolutely better. And I did not see that tonight against the Texans. Absolutely. And I thought Amari Rogers had, uh, had a pretty solid one of one of the turns was pretty solid. Yes. But, but all in all, yeah. And a lot of it also, we don't know which guys are supposed to be out there with the first team, which ones weren't because they were playing more defense. So like, obviously a guy like Oren Burks is a key special teams guy. Will Redmond who didn't play, is a key special teams guy. Um, Lee Taylor has shown that he's now a vital special teams guy out there. So we're going to see what happens going forward with that. I think Eric Stokes is going to be a big special teams guy. I think he's going to be a gunner we'll have to share with that with that kind of speed, and he can get down the field. So we'll, we'll see how it goes these next couple of weeks. But, yeah, all in all, special teams, it just – it. And it's tough to gauge special teams a lot in preseason because guys are all mismatched and out of place, and we'll kind of see what happens. But you're right, the effort has to be there. And when I saw one of the first guys, so when I see, when I see Hunter Bradley down there every single time, being one of the first guys to make contact, that's not a good thing. I mean, it's yeah. good for Hunter that he that he's hustling and and he and he's flying down the field for a guy who's got a like four time operated knee. But your long snapper can't be the first guy down there. You need your gunners down there. You need them to hold their lane. And the play I was talking about was that it wasn't the first quarter. It was Winslow's first punt. Okay. Where they had that big return up the right sideline, and Begleton tried to cut in and just left his lane open, left the sideline open, and no one covered for him. And so the returner just shot down the sideline and got like 40 yards on the return. And it it just it wasn't good. And 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 plays like that is going to separate this receiver race. If they keep seven wide receivers, that last one has to be able to play special teams. And right now, that's got to be Malik Taylor because we we got five locks at the wideout spot. Funches, with the way he played, is pretty close to one right now as well because he's that big red zone threat. If you put him and Lazard on the same side, just good luck throwing a jump ball to either of them. And but that last guy has to be able to be a gunner, has to be able to be a blocker on kickoff returns, and. Malik Taylor is so far above every other receiver out on this roster right now in that that it'll be hard to displace him. And I know Winfrey's had a really good camp. EQ's still got that talent if he can ever get back on the field. But Taylor, again, just has something 
that he can make an impact on special teams. I think that's his inside track. I think you're totally, totally spot on, Mike, because that's the only way. And, like, EQ's not a special teamer. Devin Funches isn't a special teamer. Winfrey is. Malik Taylor is. Devin balled out tonight, but let's see if he can do that in the next couple weeks. And I'm still not sure on – I think he makes the roster. I'm not sure, but Malik Taylor, I think, like you said, if he's he's the number one gunner, like, let, let him rock. Like, him and, it would be him and Eric Stokes, essentially, as gunners, like, at that point. And I think Malik Taylor, to me, man, he, he, he impressed me tonight because I wasn't I'm, – I'm not the biggest Malik Taylor fan. I like his versatility, but cause I think there's just other, like, super, like – physically gifted and talented guys in the roster where he doesn't really jump out at that receiver spot. But, yeah, I think that's the only way to make the team right now and as a special team, especially in the receiving room, because it's just there's so many guys there. I think there's like 11 dudes right now, and it's probably only going to keep six or seven. Sounds like you're in a camp of seven. I also am, especially with the Jay Sternberger suspension. I feel like they need to add another body in that receiving room. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're both wrong. But in the end of the day, if you're keeping seven, it's no matter what, it's six, six in the seventh spot. You're going to have to be special teamers or at least – extremely, extremely gifted, maybe that's Devin Funches. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to go through the roster this week on my own time and see if I can kind of map out who's got a chance and who's kind Excellent. of on the outside. Cause, yeah, there's really nine receivers kind of battling. Because, and you're not expecting Chris Blair, none of it's him or Tompkins or any of those guys to probably push for anything more than a practice squad spot potentially. But you have your five locks. you got Funches, you got Taylor, you got EQ, you got Winfrey. They're, they're battling for six or seven spots. And so we'll we'll see what's going on there and how they want to build this without Sternberger, whether to keep seven receivers or four running backs or only three tight ends for a couple of weeks or an extra offensive lineman, whether to do five defensive linemen, hope they do on the edge. There's so many different ways that I do not envy uh, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and Russ Ball building this roster to cut down because they do have more than 53 worthy players of playing in the NFL, which is such a good thing for this team because most teams don't have that. Case in point, score aside, Houston does not have 53 NFL players on that team. No. No, they don't. <laughs> Accurate statement, Mike. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes from there. And again, scores don't matter, records don't matter, but for those of you listening, it was 26-7, Houston won, a couple of rushing touchdowns, and a whole bunch of field goals for Houston. And of course, the one touchdown to Kylan Hill. Mm-hmm. Well, that being said, we'll keep this one short to wrap this one up. I know Matt's kind of tired, just got back from the game. I'm just, you know, it's. I'm just trying to reflect on it. Like, the game was good, like, to be there, like I said, but overall, like, I was expecting more. Like, the energy was high, and the first game, first game back with fans in the stands, and it's just it's a sloppy game. I know there's a bunch of guys sitting out, but, yeah, I am a little tired, to be honest. I guess, I guess a couple of PSAs that I saw on social media. Uh, one, Dave Bakary says, be quiet on offense. Be quiet on offense. Okay, maybe I'm not as tired anymore. Why are we do? Why are we still doing the wave when we're on offense? Oh my gosh, dude! I was so mad, and like I'm sitting in a section. Ah, you got me riled up now, Mike. I'm sitting in a section where it's like half kids. Like it's kids. It's you're with your your little brother, your little sister, and like you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to shit on a a wave because the wave's super cool to be at an NFL stadium, but like. This is not the time to do it, and they weren't instigating it, but they're definitely a part of it. I'm like, son of a gun. Like, I, I can't teach the whole crowd this. I can't teach the whole section this. I can tell Cameron about it, but, yeah, that's the wave during when you're on offense is just egregious. That can't happen. I didn't know David spoke out about it, but it's it's great. There's been other – I think Rogers has talked about it before, too, but 
what the hell are we doing, man? Like, it, it, it's a preseason game. I know there's a lot of fans that don't really norm, normally go to games and don't maybe don't know the etiquette as much or even are as passionate as fans as maybe you and I or anyone else listening, but don't do the wave. Don't do Just don't do it. Unless we're on defense, please. Don't do the wave unless you're at a baseball game. Yeah. Then it's fine. fine. Like, between innings, it can be fun. But... No, I, for one, it's almost sound like something like there's a PSA on the score from Dr. Jarvis saying, hey, we're on offense now. Be quiet so they can hear. And apparently they got louder. <laughs> Preseason fans, it's almost said. On the bright side, there, it is a packed house. They were, I think they announced 72,000. Yeah. Which is awesome to see preseason. It was great for for me, especially as a, as a professional broadcaster, to see Kevin Harlan out there calling the game with, with uh, James Lofton, who was lobbying for the defensive backs to not be getting called for pass interference which was really kind of fun. And, of course, guys like John Kuhn and Lance Allen on the sidelines, it was really cool for the broadcaster and me to see them at the field calling the game and, and out there. So that, that's just something really cool. And it's good to see as close as we can get right now to what seemed like a normal football game. And hopefully we'll continue to move forward with that and still a couple of preseason games left. So that being said, we'll wrap things up. Matt, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can still find me on Twitter, actually, believe it or not, uh, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Loving doing Pack-A-Day right now with you, Mike, and Gage, whenever we can get all of us rallied up. It'll be coming shortly here, but, you know, keep listening to the Pack-A-Day podcast. We're getting right up, butted up next to real football, and we had a first taste of it. We were able to be critical about some stuff, analyze some stuff, see what was good, what was bad, which was great. Also follow the content I'm putting out on Game on Wisconsin, uh, Brendan Dzworski and I are putting out a podcast called Final Dump. comes out every Friday, 20, 30 minutes. Just gets you up to speed before either previewing the game for the weekend, when games are being played right now, and also just kind of recapping some stuff if you didn't know. If you completely missed out on all Packers content through the week, this is what you want to listen to because it's going to be the highlights, kind of the breakdown, some maybe news notes with transactions, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that's where you can find me. Mike, where can you find all your stuff? Well, of course, and of course, there's no way, no better way to dump news than on a Friday night, as we've learned exactly. throughout the course exactly. of history. Uh, you can find me at Mike Wendland on Twitter. That's all one word. Uh, I will be. I am now. It's high school football season, oddly enough, which is really weird right now. Uh, I just did a scrimmage last week. I'll be covering the Amherst Falcon football team this fall. The real games start Friday night, so you can find me at Zaleski Sports to broadcast Amherst Falcon football, starting as they're taking on Anigo. This first week, I can find all my work there as a broadcaster. I'll be doing multiple games in multiple sports throughout this fall. Of course, we'll be here uh, every Sunday. during. We'll be doing looks like mostly game recaps in the preseason, but then when we get to the regular season, a lot of game previews for us. Uh, hopefully, again, hopefully we'll be able to get the three of us, me and myself, you and Gage, uh, going forward hopefully soon. Might not be next week because I actually might be down in Waukesha doing, um, another, doing another broadcast for for an adult uh, football league championship game. Excellent. So we'll see how that goes. But, of course, follow us also at Packaday Podcast on, on social media. Follow our YouTube channel. Andy's been doing spectacular work over there uh, covering all all these great uh, great Packers stories that have been coming out during training camp. And also find us wherever your favorite podcast platform is. We will be there at the Packaday Podcast as well. So that being said, we will say so on for now again. The Packers did drop us on 26-7. Some good, some not so good to take from it. Packers and Jets next week, the Battle of the Floors, and Robert Sala out there as well. So for Matt Freilich, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everybody. Thank you for listening. Everyone, stay cool, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go.
headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.